Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Vegas 14, Paul Felder versus Rafael Dos Anjos. And Shaq, it's going down this Saturday night in Las Vegas, Nevada. Paul Felder stepping up on short notice. Not only is it going to be two exciting lightweights going at it, but uh, Rafael Dos Anjos doesn't have a takedown threat anymore. I mean, Rafael couldn't ask for a better scenario. I mean... We already knew what the deal was going to be, uh, what was supposed to happen this Saturday night. We know Islam was supposed to hit the mat return record on him and, and you know, uh, get a nice little uh, 30, uh, 50, 45. But instead, Paul Felder, man, give him props. Paul's one of the toughest guys out, out there, man. We, we know Paul's as durable as they come. And, you know, uh, he stepped in five days notice. And, you know, Rafael, I mean, now he gets a striker that doesn't wrestle. I mean, this is... I'm sure I'm sure he's happy. And Felder, this is a big opportunity, man. Rafael is a former lightweight champion, beat the beat the WEC three, you know, uh Cerrone, Benson, Showtime, Pettis. So, you know, uh Rafael's a legend. In my opinion, he should be a Hall of Famer. I know he's got a he's on he's on a skid, but I mean he still went up to one seventy, you know, those first few fights and, and took care of business against, you know, guys like Neil Magny, who we see I mean, Neil's out here whipping ass like damn near every other month, you know what I'm saying? Robbie Lawler, so Dos Anjos is a, is a legend, man. Absolutely. It's going to be an amazing main event. We're going to break down this whole car start to finish. But first up, we got to let the fans know that support for Half the Battle is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineer tools for your family jewels. And Shaq, you already know the deal. You don't want to deal with any grooming accidents. And you got girls coming over. You want to make sure they tell their friends that you know, you're well-kept, you're well-groomed, you're Manscaped. And that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team has perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. And their generation, their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. And when I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can shave longer. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. And one of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to 7,000 RPM motor with a quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. And if you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand. So let's get that push to tush clean. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20 at manscaped.com. Make your testies their besties. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20, all caps, BATTLE20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. And uh, Shaq, now it's been it's been close to a month. Uh, how you been enjoying the Manscaped products, man? I mean, look, you know, they're top notch. And look, you know, in this game, you know how we're getting into, you know, this fight week, Paul Felder, you know, he took this this short note, short notice opportunity, man. Manscaped, you know, allows, you know, us men to be ready for short, uh, short notice opportunities. If you catch my drift, you know what I'm saying? You know, you know, you don't want to ever, you know, have a short notice opportunity in your hands and, and you know, you got to go, you know, wipe them off or, you know, uh, hit the shower real quick. You know what I'm saying? And that's what Manscaped allows you to do, man. That ball deodorant, that uh, crop preserver, all that stuff, man. It, it's top-notch stuff, man. And it makes a, it makes a big difference. And make sure that you can stay ready at all times. So go to manscaped.com. Use that promo code BATTLE20, all caps BATTLE20, for 20% off and free shipping. And like we told you already, you go ahead. You send us that screenshot that you use the code BATTLE20, and we'll match it with, a ba- with the best fight picks uh, package. Now, Shaq, let's get right down to business. We're going to do the main card, then we'll come back uh, to the prelims. 
So first up, uh, in the in at Franklin Way, we got an 195. Uh, fuck. Next up at Franklin Way, we got an 195 pound catchweight between Brendan Allen, who's 15 and three, and Sean Strickland, who's 21 and three. And those that don't know about Franklin Way, shout out to the legend Rich Franklin. You know how he had that stint. He fought a couple fights at 195 pounds in a row. But anyways, we got. Brendan Allen, minus 125, and Sean Strickland is plus 105. Quick turnarounds for both. I know Sean Strickland officially fought, but Brendan Allen, he made weight last week, so both these guys cutting weight again, but luckily not too much. Going to be at 195 pounds. I'd say Sean Strickland is the more well-rounded guy here, but Brendan Allen is the specialist. Do you think that his uh, special uh, abilities in uh, jiu-jitsu are going to let him win this fight or not? Man, this is a, it's a good matchup, man, because, you know, Strickland, he was out, you know, for a long time. Then he came back at that nice little tune-up fight against Marshman, and he's, and he's hopping right back in there. And Brendan, you know, I like this kid, Brendan Allen. Like I said uh, before his fight with Ian, I think he, you know, super young, already experienced, already fought top-level competition, you know, finished Kevin Holland at 23. So, I mean, Brendan Allen, I mean, has all the makings to be, a, you know, a contender in this division. My only worry with Brendan is, man, it's like I'm just worried that he might be a little worn out mentally, man. In a lot of these interviews, man, he's coming across as like, you know, he just wants this thing to be over with like this whole week. to So you can go home and not a feel him, man. You know, the Heinish fight he's had twice and, you know, it got uh, pulled from underneath him. And then he has to see, you know, Ian get blessed with a fight against Kelvin Gastelum. You know, he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, are you serious? <laughs> like, and I'm fighting Sean Strickland. No, no, you know, no offense to Strickland. But, you know, uh, yeah, man, it's a good matchup. Strickland, I think, has one of the best jabs in MMA, a good pace. And I think he's got the, the striking advantage in this fight. You know, I feel like, man, in his last fight against Marshman, I, I know it's Marshman, but I feel like in his last two fights, Strickland's been actually really making an effort to sit on, sit down on his punches a little bit more and, you know, actually throw the two behind that jab instead of, you know, in the past where he's just been jabbing, jabbing, jabbing. I, I really feel like these last two fights, he's uh, really let it go a little bit more. But, you know, Brennan Allen, he's got that forward pressure. Mm, it's going to be a tough fight. I, I view it as a 50-50 fight. So, you know, I guess, you know, I should pick the dog, but I'm going to go with Brennan, man. I just think he's a little too aggressive. I think he's going to be moving forward. I think it's going to be a dog fight, though. Uh, from a betting perspective, uh, I, I am a little worried that Brennan, I don't know, it's just personally, man, I feel like he's just coming across a, a little cocky-ish, you know, a little, uh, you know, uh, just seems like he, want, he wants this uh, whole week to be over, but you know, I wouldn't be shocked if Strickland pulled the upset, man. He's got the skills to stay upright, uh, and he's got a high-level uh, volume punching style, man. So uh, I wouldn't be shocked. But I'll take Brendan Allen by, let's say, split decision. Yeah, this is going to be a hell of a fight. I mean, basically it comes down to how much, uh, you know, bad, how many bad positions can uh, Strickland give up uh, against Brendan Allen. You know, if if he gives up his back, there's no guarantee that he turns in and that that, that round is going to go to to Brendan Allen, you know. So it's about Sean Strickland maintaining his distance, popping that jab, and getting off on those straight punches. And I don't think he's going to be doing much talking like he did against Jack Marshman. This is a completely different type of threat here. So it's a very close fight, like you said. I think it's appropriately lined to pick him. I'm going to slightly lean with Sean Strickland. I think he's the more well-rounded guy here. And if he can just keep Brendan Allen off of him, I know Brendan Allen sticks to you like glue, but if he can just keep him away, I think that he can kind of outpoint him and go out there and win the decision. So I'm going to slightly lean with Sean Strickland here. Now, next up in the middleweight division, we've got a matchup between Antonio Ahoyo. He's 9-3, and three, and Eric, your boy, Anders, is 13-5. and five. Currently, they got... Eric Anders minus 125 and Antonio Ahorio is plus 105. So Shaq, I mean, I'd say that 
Antonio Ahoyo has a kicking advantage here, and he's got a speed advantage as well. But aside from that, I'd give the other areas to Eric Anders. I think that if Eric just stays out of kicking range, easier said than done, and gets in a boxing range or maybe even pins him up against the fence, I think that he can win the fight from there, kind of bully the guy a little bit. But you know that Eric's a little bit on the slower side, and sometimes he fights to the level of his competition. So if he just sits on the outside and trades kicks with this guy, he's going to get lit up. I, I know that much. And it's got to be a confidence booster for Ahoyo to know that he can survive on the mat with a guy like Muniz. So big step in the right direction for him. I understand all the action coming in on him, but if Eric plays this uh, smart, I think he can win this fight. So I'm going to say Eric closes the distance. Gets it into boxing range and uh, you know slightly edges out a decision, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, man, this is uh, one of the harder fights to call, man, because you know, uh, firstly, I'm I think I like Anders as a you know a nice dude. I, I've met him, uh, very nice guy. But you know, as a as a fighter, man, I've thought he's been overrated for for quite a for quite a while now. You know, his last fight with Jocko, I kind of predicted that to a team, man. I was like, I mean. If any, if Kristoff's going to be breakdancing against anybody, man, it's going to be uh, Eric Anders, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's lost split decisions to Lyoto Machida, lost one to Elias Theodoro. Uh, you know, he's lost rounds to Tim Williams before. You know, his really his only went, you know, Khalil Roundtree completely dominated him. So I, I honestly think Eric Anders is showing signs of a guy who's on his way out. Now, on the flip side, Arroyo, man, I wanted... I really tried to give this guy a chance. I think he, you know, like you said, with the kicks, he, he's, he is a little faster, a little bit more dynamic. The boxing isn't as good as the kicks, and is, and he does kind of leave his chin in the air. And, and in that Muniz fight, yes, he did, uh, you know, Muniz is a secondary black belt, but, man, there were some moments in that fight where he was just standing on top of him, and I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like, But I, I, I know tangling with a guy like Andre Muniz has to be, uh, you know, very physically ta taxing, but... You know, Eric's definitely the the more physical guy, the guy, and Eric's got a he's got a very meat and potato style. It's either you know a couple of haymakers, you know, get into the clinch, and he keeps doing the same thing over. I, I really don't see any improvement in Eric Anders. I, I don't think there's Eric Anders is the type of guy I would stay away from betting at chalk and just period too, because even when he was dog money against Elias, I was like, man, this guy, uh, he's like. Taylor made, but I'll take Arroyo, man. I think uh, uh, I'll say Arroyo by split decision. I think he'll probably land a flashier kicks. Uh, Eric, it'll be close though, man. It's going to be, uh, you know, one of those fights where you really don't know who won at the end. Um, Arroyo's not that impressive, but, you know, maybe he's a little bit more hungry. I just, I've seen a large sample size from Anders and, you know, I mean, it just hasn't really been getting any better. So I'll take Arroyo. Now, next up in the strawweight division, we got a matchup between Kay Hansen, who's 7-3, and three, and Corey McKenna, who's 5-1. and one. Currently, they got Kay Hansen minus 220. The comeback on Corey McKenna is plus 180. So both these fighters are only 21 years old, Shaq. They're just kids. And uh, it, it's going to be a good fight. I mean, I, I felt like Corey McKenna put on a good performance on Contender Series, definitely showed a well-rounded MMA game. And Kay Hansen's been having a lot of hype. And, you know, she might have taken some fights she wasn't quite ready for early on in her career. But I thought the UFC debut against the former Invicta Strawweight champ was a big step in the right direction. And I just kind of view this as a fight where... They're very similar, but Kay Hansen's, you know, slightly the the bigger, you know, fighter here can kind of bully her a little bit. You know, she's got a five-inch reach advantage in this spot, and um, 
I'm going to slightly edge Kay Hansen here, man. I think that, you know, it, it can be close at times, but, you know, Kay Hansen can maybe get that extra takedown or that extra submission attempt to sway the judges. So I'll go with Kay Hansen here. Yeah, man, you know, yeah, I, I kind of am the same way. I feel like McKenna's, you know, solid, and I think she's got a bright future ahead of her young. Uh, and, you know, it's actually quite interesting because I've been, you know, I've been hearing good things because uh, Yan Chow Man actually said that, uh, McKenna was one of her uh, training partners, so, you know. Uh, so, so she had to take the sidekick to the base <laughs> of the gym? You know, like, she had to take a couple of lumps in there, but uh, Anna, Anna Marina Rodriguez, you know, I, I've been seeing oh, them. Uh, I've been seeing them. I know Faber said she trained. She was a uh, tag training, team. Yeah, you know. They, uh, and she <laughs> trains with Sarah, Mc, Sarah McMahon, so. You know, Sarah McMahon, shout out to her. She got my girl, Yan Chownan. Shout out, shout out to Yan Man, by the way, you know, for going out there and stuff. And you saw how that uh, wrestling defense got better, man. And uh, oh, yeah. shout, so shout out to Sarah McMahon and Corey McKenna and all of them, man. So, yeah, I, I just think what I really – I just feel like McKenna's good. Like, she kind of reminds me of, like, a Meatball McCann style, you know, point fighter with the, you know, footwork. And I do think that is Hanson's uh, weakness is the striking. I mean, sometimes she does close her eyes in some of these exchanges. But her grappling, man, seems to be, like, a very strong. And, you know, when and she de- definitely seems a lot bigger, a lot uh, a lot stronger than me, you know, especially after they load back up after this weight cut, man. So uh, I wouldn't be shocked if McKenna looks even better. But that chick she fought on – Contender series, man, it was kind of shitty. Uh, it was a pole dancer. Oh, really? Yeah. Straight up. Really? Okay. Well, yeah. Oh, if she needs a job <laughs> down here, we'll hook her up. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, she was kind of like, I don't know. I just felt like it was a, a somewhat of a lower level opponent. I know Jin Yu Fry is kind of mentally weak, but at least, you know, she was a, a champion. Uh, so I, I kind of have to lean Kane Hansen. I think she's bigger, stronger. I wouldn't be shocked if she even got a, a finish here. So I'll go Kane Hansen. Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got the co-main event of the evening between Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. He's 10-2, and two, and Kalen Chaos Williams is 10-1. and one. Currently, they got Abdul Razak Al-Hassan minus 227. The comeback on Chaos Williams is plus 187. Uh, Shaq, I know why they selected this to be the co-main event, because this is going to be a very exciting fight between two bangers. They're going to go out there, stand and trade until one man falls. I cannot wait for this fight. So... I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions about uh, Razak Al-Hassan, man, that he's first-round KO or bust. And I understand all his wins have been first-round KOs. And I also understand that, you know, the fights he's lost have gone to decision. But it's not like he stopped throwing in the third round of either of those fights. He was still throwing heat. It's just that, you know, Omari was too big of a step-up at the time. And Munir Lazez is an undiscovered gem. Like, that kid is fucking amazing. Like, when I watched that fight last night... It wasn't like I know that Razak missed weight. I know he came in heavy for that fight. I know he was off a layoff, but like it wasn't even about what Razak did wrong, man. It was like that kid Munir Lazez has some amazing kickboxing technique. He's got a fantastic chin. He's like six foot three. His feints were on point. I was like, damn, I cannot wait to see this kid again. And with Chaos Williams, kind of reminds me of like a welterweight Derek Brunson. You know, he's a very powerful guy. He's a strong guy. They call him Ox Fighter for a reason. He can sprint across the octagon, but he kind of does that Derek Brunson blitz where he leaves his chin straight up in the air and just no one's been able to capitalize on it quite yet. And I think Razak is the guy that's going to capitalize on that. You fight a guy like Razak with your chin up in the air, and I think it might be face plant season, man. And, you know, people are saying Razak is KO or bust in this spot. I actually think 
Chaos Williams is KO or bust in the spot. I think that if Chaos doesn't get this first-round knockout, that either Razak will or Razak can extend them because I saw in that Jeremy Holloway fight that Chaos was starting to slow down a lot. It's just that he was in there with a much smaller man, was able to capitalize on a few mistakes, maybe get a little top control here and there. I think that's going to be tough to do here, man. I see the cleaner punches being landed by Razak Al-Hassan, the more effective punches. And look, there's a either guy can win by knockout. They're both very powerful men, but... I think Razak's actually going to make a statement here. I, I heard, you know, last time I heard he was showing up a little heavy. This time I hear he's showing up in much better shape. I think it's going to be a devastating first-round knockout. I think he actually probably face plants uh, Williams, who I like a lot. I think he'll be back. But I think the night's going to belong to Razak. Yeah, you know, man, uh, you know, Razak, I think uh, – you know, that time off, you know, kind of, and you know, I agree with the Manu, Manu, uh, what's Lizez? I forget how to say his first name, but Lizez, uh, my boy from Abu Dhabi, uh, that Dana discovered, uh, through a friend or something like that. But like, yeah, that dude's really good, man. Super technical. So I kind of don't, uh, I mean, and I kind of knew that going in too, man. I was like, man, this guy, you know, he's, he's pretty solid. Um, but yeah, Razak was out of shape. He missed weight and, you know, uh, I, I you know I do follow Razak on Instagram, and uh, I have been seeing him on that track. I have been seeing him uh, running those stadiums. I have been seeing him. Uh, I have been I have been seeing him. Uh, you know, dropping some pounds, man. And Chaos Williams, he's kind of a mystery to me, man, because you know Razak, he kind of has a very, you know, a very. I mean, you know, the first round K or a bus thing is valid because I mean. Even with the first-round KOs, you have to be careful with a guy like Chaos Williams because, you know, the counters that are coming back in return, uh, I mean, could be very detrimental. And, 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 you know, sometimes when you go through all that outside the stuff, outside the cage stuff and you come back, man, you know, the like Munir Lizez, I mean, no one thought that dude was anywhere near Zach Alassane's level, you know, for the most part. And, and, I mean, and he turns out he was. Chaos Williams, you know, came in a huge underdog to, uh, to Murano. I know you and some other people were, were hyping him, you know, hyping him up in that spot saying that this, uh, that he was good. I don't personally know enough about Chaos Williams, so I am going to take uh, Razak Alassane to get this knockout because I have been seeing him, you know, you know, dedicated for this, uh, for this camp. So I'm assuming, you know, the first one, he, he kind of just, you know, <laughs> pulled his stun and thought, uh, thought with this first round KO, he probably thought he was fighting a bum, you know, you know, he never heard of him. He was like, who, who, you know, <laughs> I knocked out Nico Price, bro. But, uh, yeah, I think the only way Chaos Williams wins is by, like, you know, Razak getting too wild and getting caught with something. And that could happen because, I man, that return shot he hit with Murano with was uh, was kind of scary, man. But that's really all I've seen. Other than that, man, it's kind of, you know, just average. But, you know, who knows how much he's gotten better. I like the kid's mindset a lot, but I'll go with Razak Osan. Main event of the evening in the 55-pound division, we got Paul Felder, who's 17-5, and five, taking on Rafael Dos Anjos, who's 29-13. and 13. Currently, they got Dos Anjos minus 190 to come back on Felder's plus 165. So, you know, how about the balls on Paul Felder, man? I mean, taking this fight on Monday, the fight's on Saturday, and he didn't ask for a three-round main event. He didn't ask for this to be at 170 pounds. He didn't ask for a catchweight. He said, I want to fight in a five-round main event at 155 pounds. You already know, historically speaking, he's got some very rough cuts, but word on the street is he's been He's been training for a triathlon, so his weight was actually kind of low. That's why he was able to take the opportunity. But Shaq, you also know he hasn't really been 
been sparring or wrestling much, so his timing might be kind of off. But both guys are, you know, they've said they're, you know, a few fights away from retirement. So who do you kind of see walking away as the winner Saturday night? Yeah, man, great, great matchup. Uh, Paul Felder got a lot of respect for him. Had a great last fight with Dan Hooker down there in Australia. Very close fight. Hooker slightly edged it. Um, and that's always been the the theme of Paul Felder's career. He, you know, he didn't do quite enough. You know, he was uh, he almost was there. But, you know, uh, you know, you remember the the Ross Pearson fight back in the day, or the uh, how could I forget? <laughs> Paul throw, <laughs> you know, uh, or the uh, I mean, there's several other ones, man. Uh, I mean, you remember when he fought Josh Berkman back in the day and, and gave us a damn near heart attack? You know, and we I thought mean, it was lock of the year. <laughs> I, I bet Paul by KO and Paul by first round and all this shit. But, yeah, you know, I feel like, uh, yeah, I think Paul's in over his head, man. And I know Dos Anjos, it, you know, is on, on the tail end of his career. And, you know, he's uh, been taking a lot of vels. But, I mean, it, but I'm, I am going to say it. Look, at, look at, uh, at the style, the type of style guys that he's losing to and and, the, and just the, the – the current state in which those guys that he's losing to are in. I mean, we're talking about Colby Covington, number one contender, Kamaru Usman, you know, a current UFC champion, Leon Edwards, a, a top five contender as of currently, uh, Michael Chiesa, a top 10, a, a grappler, having a grappler, heavy style. Um, and then you see him when you take, when he takes the step down in a, you know, middle of the pack type of guy like Kevin Lee and you, and you see what happens there, you know what I'm saying? Or Neil Magny, you know, someone who else is a, a little lower down. And I feel like that's going to be the same thing that happens here, man. I think that, you know, Paul's got straightforward uh, Muay Thai, you know, nothing special. He, he comes up short on a lot of his punches. He, the inability to throw has always been the issue. Even in the fights that he wins, the big fight, you know, which I guess, uh, well, the Edson, the Vic and the Edson fights, I mean, you know, he both won. But, you know, I feel like he won that Vic fight just based off the fact that, you know, the guy gets, when he gets hit, it, it's quite obvious, you know what I'm saying? In the Edson fight, I, I bet on Paul in that fight and, and thought he won the fight. But, I mean, it was still one of those things where I was like, come on, Paul, like, you know, it's like you could have you could have made this a lot easier, bro. Like, he, I mean, the dude's huffing and puffing and gassing for air, man. But I think Dos Anos is just going to outwork him, man. Just come out here and have a, a solid, well-rounded MMA attack. Hit him with the body kick. Hit him with the straight punches. I feel like Paul's going to be, you know, not throwing I, I think Paul's going to be hesitant to throw on Saturday night. I don't think he's going to feel right in there. I think this is a good story, all, and I respect Paul 100%. But Rafael Dos Anjos was getting ready to fight a, 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 a grappling heavy style Russian man. Just imagine the type of shape that Rafael has uh, on Paul on Paul Felder coming into Saturday night. I mean, if they start, you know, working a high pace, and I feel like Rafael can still work that pace, man. Uh, even in the Leon fight, like, I know Leon whooped his ass, but Leon's like 6'1", 6'2", like long striker and the wrestling man. Like, and Dos Anjos, the first three rounds, I mean, it was 2-1. to one. It was respectable. Kiesa... These are six foot, you know, plus tall grapplers, man. This uh, Paul Felder is nothing like that. And Paul Felder retired, man. He, he said he was done. And, you know, he's been commentating. And, and once you got that one foot out the door, and I don't know exactly. I mean, you know, he's just challenging himself. And, I, and like I said, I respect it. But as far as winning and losing, I got Rafael Dos Anjos on Saturday night. I want to say a finish, but I wouldn't be sure.
fact, if he just put the MMA clinic on him and and you know uh, you know took him down and and Paul Felder's a black belt and he's got got good jujitsu, but he hasn't been training, man. Like, this Paul, is, Paul's a black belt. Yeah. In jujitsu. Sure. Or uh, I thought so. Isn't doesn't he train with like Manny and and uh and yeah, all I of them? Know, I didn't know he was a black belt though. Interesting. I mean, yeah, I know he went in Charles Oliveira's guard, and, and yeah, and he's an MMA black belt. We'll give him that. He survived <laughs> Charles Oliveira. <laughs> like, he went through all the subs with Charles, so I mean, he's got to be a black belt. But uh, I think, uh, yeah, man, I just think that he's not going to perform well. He's not going to. The execution won't be there on Saturday night for a guy. A guy like him needs a camp man for his timing, in my opinion. So. I'm going to go with Rafael Dos Anjos just to outwork him, you know, just to put a pace on him and get the win. Yeah, you know, props to Paul Felder taking this fight on a week's short notice. Got all the respect in the world for him. That's very admirable. But, man, uh, you know, for a guy who's historically, uh, you know, struggled with the weight cuts, and by the way, he made weight today, so that's very good to see. But I'm just curious about what his timing is going to be like. You know, he admittedly said that he hasn't been, you know, sparring. He hasn't been wrestling. He hasn't been doing any of that stuff. He's only kind of been doing some cardio and hitting pads. So maybe he's such a vet to where, you know, he's all good doing all that. I mean, the guy knows how to fight, uh, no doubt about it. But the timing, I need his timing to be on if I wanted to pick him here. And I know Rafael Dos Anjos has been training for a five-round intense fight against Islam Makachev. And the fact that Rafael is dropping back to 55, I mean, I know he's got to be motivated. I know he's got to be hungry. So I, I think that Rafael can kind of be more active, can come out there, pump that body kick. And then if he wants to mix in takedowns, he can mix in takedowns too. I mean, you saw Edson Barbosa, who's not known for being a wrestler, go out there and take down a guy like Paul Felder. We've seen other people take down Paul Felder as well. And um, what, what was uh, Paul Felder's last fight? Dan Hooker. Yeah, yeah. That last round against Dan Hooker, it was the takedown of Dan Hooker that cost Paul Felder the fight. So I think that if, you know, shit's going kind of sketchy on the feet, which the thing with Felder is, you know, he's not going to out-volume anybody, but it's just you got to watch out for that upward elbow. You got to watch out for that hard kick. You got to watch out for that check hook. I mean, the guy hits extremely hard. Um, but And he's also very durable. The only time he's been stopped was in Brazil against Francisco Trinaldo due to a cut. So, it, you know, he's a very tough guy as well. But he retired his last fight. He's taking this on a week notice. I got to go with Rafael to slightly outwork him. And I agree with you, you know, possibly. We'll see what happens. But possibly put on the MMA clinic, you know, kind of slightly edge him standing, but mix in takedowns when appropriate. So we'll see what happens. But I'm going to roll with Rafael Dos Anjos as well. Now, next up in the strawweight division, we got a matchup between Ashley Yoder, who's seven and six, versus Miranda Granger, who's seven and one. Currently, they got Miranda Granger minus one seventy. The comeback on Ashley Yoder is plus one fifty. And check, I know we like to joke around about you know fights where it's one to one going to the third round, and you know Ashley Yoder is not going to win that third round. But like, yeah, yeah, but like you know. She's going. She's fighting close with like Livia Souza and like Randa Marcos, all these established fighters. This is, uh, I would say, this is a step down, actually, Shaq. Yeah, man. So this is one of the, the one of the fights I'm I'm looking forward to the most, you know. And I don't say that much with the with the strawweight fight, but it's just, I mean, there's been a lot of conflicting opinions in, in this fight. This might, this, I mean, there's a lot of action on the on uh, Miranda Granger this weekend, man. And I don't see why, man. Look. I know I've shat on uh, Ashley Yoder several times, but I'm willing to say, man, her last fight against uh, Souza, in my opinion, that was the best she ever looked. Now, I know she lost, but, I mean, that was expected. I mean, I don't think we actually 
thought Livia would lose to her, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but like, I thought it was, I mean, she looked good. I mean, I was like, hey, she, I mean, she's, you know, she's, the last two rounds were competitive. You know, the first round was big for uh, Sousa, but Miranda Granger, I like her. You know, I've actually had some interactions with her uh, coach on, on IG here and there, you know, he's a, he's a cool guy, but you know, I, I think that it's just too, she hasn't shown enough for, for, for us to have the confidence, like Livia Souza has shown me enough to, you know, say, all right, yeah, she's beating Yoder. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Random Marcos, I was confident, you know, she'll beat Yoder, you know, uh, you know, or Mackenzie, you know, Angela Hill, all them, all them girls. So, you know, uh, Miranda Granger's only got two fights in the UFC, one against Hannah Goldie, Hannah Goldie, like, I, I like Hannah Goldie, you know, I, I like her, I, I, I like her Instagram, you know what I'm saying? But like, as a, as a, as a fighter, I mean, you know, it's completely different, man. Uh, and then, you know, against Amanda Lamos and look, Amanda Lamos is, is serious. I mean, my girl, Amanda, you know, she, she grew up in the Amazon with my boy Figgy. So, you know, we already know what type of, what type of fighter she is, but you know, I think, uh, I mean, one back take and the, and the fight was over, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and I know Ashley Yoder likes to hop that back and, and, and you know, slip over all the time. But, you know, uh, I do think the last fight was a step in the right direction. She's got to be hungry. I just feel like this is one of those classic traps, man. I, I feel like, you know, I, I, I get the, the, the thought process of, of fading Yoder, you know. You know, oh, Yoder, Yoder will lose. I, I get it. But... Not with Miranda Granger. She hasn't shown enough. And even in the Hannah Goldie fight, I mean, I wasn't really, like, that impressed. I mean, Hannah Goldie was backing up the entire time. Uh, and, look, Ashley Yoder, her two wins is a split against Bobby Cooper and Siri Kondo. But, I mean, she has been in there. And I do I do think, man, experience counts. I mean, we saw it last week a lot, man. Experience counts. Uh, and, and I do think she's got a huge experience uh advantage in this fight man and i feel like she has a grappling edge too and i'm actually uh, i'm a picker for the win man uh you know i don't know how but you know i think uh i just feel like it should be a, a pick em, uh or you know maybe a pick em, you know it's with a slight lean on yoder just due to experience i mean mckenzie dern you know uh angela hill you know what's miranda granger done you know yeah i agree with you on this one man actually um because at, at first you know, I was thinking about it in terms of like, oh, I get to fade yeah, Ashley Yoder again. But then when I watch Miranda Granger, I mean, look, I like chicks that finish fights. So it was cool to see her choke a bunch of girls unconscious and do all that. But like she was out there submitting a bunch of soccer moms. And as soon as she stepped up in competition, I mean, she wasn't even close to getting any submissions on Hannah Goldie. That was a very close fight. And, you know, the activity on the feet wasn't enough for my liking. And then Amanda Lamos absolutely blew her out the water. So I still feel like... Uh, Granger has a lot of, you know, ground to cover, whereas Yoder has been in here in the trenches, man, with Angela Hill, with Dern, going to a split with Mackenzie Dern, with Livia Souza, with Marcos, with all these established fighters. So I agree, man. The level of competition is just night and day. And also, I feel like Yoder's got an advantage on the mat. So, you know, and and lastly, I'm not convinced Miranda Granger can make it that tough fight where it's 1-1 going in the third round. So I think this is the most winnable fight that – uh that Yoder's had since Siri Kondo, maybe a slight step up from Siri Kondo, but I, I see her coming out here and winning this fight. That next up in the welterweight division, we got a matchup between Alex Morano, who's seventeen and six, and Reese McKee is ten and three. 
Currently, they got Alex Morano minus 170. The comeback on Reese McKee is plus 150. So, Shaq, I mean, on paper, I, I like certain things about Reese McKee. He's 6'2". He's got the 78-inch reach. On paper, it looks great. But then you watch him fight, and it's like, man, that tall man defense. And granted, we haven't really seen him at 70s besides the Hamzat fight, so maybe he looks like a brand-new man. But if the guy that I've been seeing at 55 shows up, this might be a bad matchup for him. Yeah, man. Another guy, Reese McKee, uh, he kind of reminds me of uh, Ramiz last week, man. This matchup, at least. Uh, you know, I feel like uh, I tried to give this kid a chance. Like, you know, he's 6'2", and, you know, Morono's kind of, you know, unathletic, you know, slow, sloppy, and just got knocked out viciously. So, you know, I was going in, I was like, let's see. Uh, and I know this kid knocked out uh, Jay Herbert, who, who I like uh, – a lot. So, you know, I was very interested, but man, I was like, God, like this kid's just getting shoved to the mat so easily, like fucking the chin sky high up in the air. I know he's one of uh, Norman Park students from uh, Northern Ireland. You remember what my boy Connor said about those, uh, about those Northerners, man? (laughs) 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 You know, those Nords, (laughs) you know, uh, and Look, I think that Morono should win this fight, man. I think he's more experienced. I think he hits harder. I think he's honestly the better grappler as well. I know this kid can has the tendency to, you know, guys have the tendency to kind of beat his ass, and then he kind of comes back a little bit. But, you know, he's only had, like, two fights at 170. Um, he is tall, but I... I, I I'm guessing I'm I'm seeing like a toughness uh, toughness thing like you know he's in the spots but then he just gets shoved to the mat kind of like similar to like a Craig White in a sense is like dude like why are you letting this dude just uh, push you down but he has fought tough competition on his local scene I, I will give him that you know in Cage Warriors and in Bama um, I I just see Murano ahead of him in in every area look Murano has pulled stunts. At times, uh, you know, the Jordan Mean one, uh, you know, I'll never forget. I'll never forget the first two rounds. <laughs> I was like, whoa. I was like, Alex, what are you doing? I was like, I was like Alex, it's not a jiu-jitsu match. Bro. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, he, at least he came back, you know, beat Max Griffin up pretty good, beat Keenan Song. Like, there's a, there's levels to this. And, and I think, uh, you know, uh, he's been in fights with Nico Price, uh you know, some other guys. So I think there's just levels to this. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if Reese McKee pulled off a fluke finish, but, you know, uh, I see Murano beating him up in the late rounds and, and, you know, starting to hit him with the spins and, you know, the the big, uh, the big uh, great white Murano hooks, man. So I'll, I'll take Alex for the win. Yeah, you know, I was doing the same thing. At first, I was like, oh, who's this six foot two kid with the 78-inch reach? Maybe we can fade Murano here. It's plus 170 at the betting window. But then when I watch him, it's like, man, he's so damn hittable. And some of these fights where he's winning, the guys just, you know, they'll tee off on him, and then they stop throwing, and he'll, you know, kind of slow cook him a little bit. But I was thinking, oh, it was at 55. He's moving so slow. Maybe at 170 he looks better. But, you know, the Hamzat fight doesn't really let us know much. We can kind of put the Hamzat fight on the back burner because he would have lost the Hamzat at any weight class and in any venue under any circumstance. So it is what imagine, it is. Imagine if Hamzat fought, fought Morano. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he'd throw him out of the cage. But, uh, 
like, as far as this matchup, you know, like you said, there's levels to this. You know, this is going to be one of those fights like the Muntasri fight where Alex Morano, when, when he fights a lower-level guy, he tees off on a lower-level guy. He's going to back this guy up into the fence. He's going to start winging the overhands. You know, just has to be careful. Don't get caught. You know, Morano is a little bit chinny. He definitely wears damage for sure. Um, but I'd say he's further along in his career at this point. I mean, he can kind of do what he did at Keenan Song in the, in this spot. So I'm going to roll with uh, Alex Morano as well. Now, next up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Lewis, the last Samurai, Simulka, he's 16-7, and seven, and Jose Teco Quinones is 8-4. and four. Currently, they got Lewis Smolka minus 150. The comeback on Jose Quinones is plus 130. So, Shaq, I, I remember you famously said if Lewis Smolka is a favorite, there's usually a reason behind it. So, uh, is there a reason behind him being a favorite here? I mean, yeah, I mean, Teco's got no chin, so, you know, uh, I guess that would be the reason. <laughs> um, and look, if Teco, look, if you bet Teco, you have to just, you know, when you make that bet, just know, hey, he might get, he might go down. But other than, other than that aspect in this fight of Teco's chin, I honestly think Teco's the better fighter. Um Look, Smoker's a dog. I like Smoker, a tough kid who will never quit Hawaiian. You know, those Hawaiians, they – Smoker's a fucking fish, bro. I mean, but lately, man, he has gotten finished. I mean, you know, Casey, but those are by Casey Kinney and uh, who else finished Schnell. him? Yeah, you know, Matt Schnell finished him too. But, uh, you know, man, I think it just dep- it depends. This fight is like – because Smoker has the t- – I've been – really what I say depends because I've been seeing Smoker, bro – on YouTube, I know his, his girl, I think his wife's got a YouTube channel or something like any, you know, he's been doing these, and I saw this before the Casey Kinney fight too, but, and before this fight, but, you know, he's been doing, uh, what they call them, the, the mukbangs or, or some shit like that, and, and you know, uh, where they're eating food, like, from restaurants and shit, like, and fucking, like, I've been seeing Smoker, you know, eat good, and I know he's a bantamweight now, so I guess maybe he can, uh, he can afford to do it, but it just depends, sometimes guys like Smoker, you know, yeah, we know he's got the fighting spirit. He'll move forward. He's willing to willing to die in there. But you know what the 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 floor of Luis Smoker is bad. You know what I'm saying? Like if he does not show up, it can get like he'll start giving up easy takedowns. He'll start getting rocked and wobbled. You know, and, and just start looking real sloppy. Now I know he knocked out Ryan McDonald, but then you know. Uh, Ryan McDonald's a complete a complete can. I mean, Ryan. I mean, we saw. We remember watching Ryan McDonald's local scene fights, bro. Come on now, Ryan McDonald was out there getting floored in Nebraska, bro. And, and that's just facts. My guys are losing like, records. My guys are losing records, and that's just facts. Like that. That is you know stamped. So I can't really come out here and you know I see a lot of confidence in smoking. Look, if y'all touch the chin, y'all y'all touch the chin and, and congratulations. But I think it's gonna actually be a little bit harder for him to do it than people think. I think Teco's got better footwork, better transitions, uh the grappling, smoker's a good grappler, you know, it's kind of fifty fifty there, but the footwork advantage I see big in, uh, for uh for Teco. And it's just sometimes smoker doesn't show up and he looks like a, a, a drunk slob in there sometimes. And, you know, and, and it's kind of like, you know, get a knockout, look like a slob, look like a slob, get a knockout and, 
you know, uh, I don't know, man. I feel like it's a close fight, but I just think it should be a pick em. I think Teco Quinones, he, yeah, he kind of did quit his last fight against uh, Sugar Sean O'Malley, but I just think that was one of those things where he was broken already, you know, uh, going in, going into the fight. But, you know, in his other fights against Hao Chin, you know, his, his chin, you know, held up there, and that was a, you know, a lower-level guy, and he, and he put a clinic on him. Diego Rivas, his chin held up, you know, put a clinic on him. I do think Smoke is better than those guys, but... I don't know. I just have a feeling you shouldn't play Smoker, uh, not in not in this fight. Or yeah, against Ryan McDonald when he was like minus two forty, and everyone was like, "Should Smoker be minus two forty? I was like, "Yeah." I mean, Ryan McDonald fucking blows. You know what I'm saying? Like, but uh, I think Teko was much better than that, much smarter than that. And, and in certain fights, he can uh, actually, you know, look really good, man. So I'm actually going to take him for the win here. I think it's going to be a dog fight. But, uh, you know, if Teko's chin holds up, I think he can kind of weasel a decision here. But, yeah, man, I mean, I think you brought up some great points about the Lewis Smolka fight. Uh, for me, the way I see this fight between him and Teko, it's one of those situations where if this fight ends inside the distance, then I most likely lean towards Smolka. But if it goes the distance, I got to go with Teko. I think that Teko... Teco can kind of keep this on the outside, pump those fans, you know, do that Mexican dominant cruise style. And, you know, the exchanges might be kind of 50-50. He's got to watch out for that chin. And the reason his chin is so messed up, those that have heard past episodes of How to Battle know that, you know, he's a bantamweight. He's a 35er. He went up to 55 on his regional scene and fought Davi Hamosh and suffered one of the most vicious knockouts we've ever seen on the regional scene. And that's why he gets wobbled every single fight. So... Even against a guy like Smolka, who's not really a power puncher, he's got to be careful here as well. But that being said, I think that it can be kind of close on the feet, but Teko can kind of edge this out by mixing in takedowns and just, you know, having the overall MMA game. But Smolka's one of those guys that purposely puts himself in bad positions so he can scramble out, get on top. He's heavy on top. He's got good ground and pound. So Teko has to be uh, on his game here. But again, I think he can mix in takedowns and kind of edge a decision that way. So I'm going to roll with Teko Kinonas to win this fight via decision. Now, next up in the strawweight division, we got a matchup between Randa Marcos, who's 10 and 9, and she's taking on Kanako Murata, who's 11 and 1. Currently, they got Kanaka Murato minus 200. The comeback on Randa Marcos is plus 170. Uh, listen, all I got to say is this Invicta champion better be pretty legit to be minus 200 over Marcos. I know Marcos is known for pulling all kinds of stunts, but she pulls stunts against the, the best fighters on planet Earth, you know, Amanda Rebus, against Mackenzie Dern against a bunch of legit fighters, but she, you know, when you're not quite on her level, I mean, you saw, I mean, she's got a win over the former champion, Carlos Barza. She smashed Angela Hill in the first round. So do you think uh, this is a, a little bit of a overhyping of Kanaka Murata, or is this a, a welcomed addition to the, to the division? This kind of, this fight kind of reminds me uh, like Yoder and, and Granger a little bit in a sense, like, you know, cause I mean, everyone's betting the Jap and, uh, the Jap, I mean, she's she's strong, you know, big muscles, you know, lefty, good good wrestling. The striking isn't as good as the wrestling, and I just think in general, I don't really see like top fifteen or anything, but you know, I, I see her, you know, getting some wins, you know, being a a good, a good decent fighter. Uh, Random Marcos, you know, like you said, look, Marcos. Well, the reason why I don't put it to the extent like Granger and Yoder is because Marcos kind of has been showing signs of like, you know, just complete, like she's a mess, man. And I, I've, been, I've been saying that for a while. Uh, you know, she, she is kind of a mess. I mean, I, I've heard interviews of her, like her training, like the way she sets up her training. It seems like uh, I have a feeling that she's one of those people that, you know, 
Because, I mean, at one point, I mean, this girl had potential, you know what I'm saying? Like you said, beat Esparza, beat Tisha Torres, beat, uh, you know, all these girls, Angela Hill. Fucking, but then, like, I feel like, uh, you know, she went out to TriStar and, you know, she tried it out for one fight uh, against Carolina and, you know, then she left and, you know, she uh, did her own thing. And the way it sounds, it just seems like it's all over the place. But, you know, that's just uh, something, you know, I see. And, and, and it kind of shows in the fights. I mean, all these fights that she could have won, but it was just due to sloppiness, just due to her, you know, screwing up in a in bad in bad uh, putting herself in bad positions. Look at the Marina Rodriguez fight, ten eight, you know, to start the first round, and then she completely, you know, gives it away. Or just, uh, you know, the Alexa Grasso fight, you know, gets off to a good lead there, was you know, you know, slamming Alexa, picking her up, and you know, gives it away. So Rana Marcos actually has been showing signs. Now I'm not that impressed with Murata. I I just think she's tough. I think. I think she, you know, she is willing to, you know, get down dirty in there. And her fight with Dakota was uh, close, but I feel like she was the the aggressor. And, you know, she needs to move her head on the striking because Marco, she kind of does hit hard. I, I do feel like there is some value. Like, it, it's a good chance it could be one of those one-to-one, you know, going into the third round and, you know, like, ah, oh, shit, this is a this is a close fight. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but I'm a slightly lean with the jab. I think she's just going to make – let uh, uh smarter decisions i heard she's uh she's been uh training you know in in some of those same circles uh what's the fucking gym called uh what's the gym called uh with the it, it's in cali um fucking like dustin ortiz and them train there um you know what I'm talking about? The, what's the striker in Bellator? Uh, fucking Bellanos. Oh, Gaston Bellanos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His coach. You know the guy? He did Rogan's podcast. Uh, he was Henry's coach for a little bit. Man. Uh, fucking, I forget. It's all good. That gym. Yeah, that gym. She's been training. So she has been training in the States. She's getting that USA training. So, you know, I, I'm going to take her for the win. I just don't see any improvements in Marcos, man. I I, I do think it's going to be a close fight, though. I do think it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, this is you know one of those fights where it's really about how good is Murata right now. We know how good Marcos is. Uh, you have to be a certain level to go out there and beat someone like Marcos on her best day. She beat Carlos Barza, beat Angela Hill, Tisha Torres. She also loses a lot of fights too. Has a lot of mental lapses in there, but you know, at did. her best, you know, she up? lost to Courtney Casey. <laughs> yeah, in the first round. But uh, you know, at her best, she's a top fifteen fighter in that division. On, on at her worst, uh, you know, it's one of the. She's very hot and cold, just like her record indicates. Uh, with Murato, I mean, you know, she lost to Rin Nakai, right, Shaq? Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, but nah. isn't isn't Rin Nakai a thirty five True, true. Okay, we'll give her a pass because it was up two weight classes, but she still lost to Rin Nakai, so you know what I'm saying? You know, you, just, know, uh, you, know, you remember those knee pads that uh, Rin Nakai used to wear? <laughs> yeah, and I bet when they fought, they were probably wearing tennis shoes and everything, you know, but uh, as far as this matchup, I liked what I saw from Murado in terms of, like, she's pretty disciplined with her game plan. She's strong. She moves forward. She mixes in takedowns nicely, so... If she just comes out here with a disciplined attack, she could probably edge the decision. So I'll slightly lean with her for that reason. I'm not going to say it's dog or pass because it is hard to trust Marcos, even though I cashed a plus 265 on her against Esparza, but that was back in the day. I'm not sure if she's as motivated as she once was. So I'll lean with uh, Japan's own Kanaka Murata, but uh, we'll see what happens. You know, I wouldn't go crazy at the betting window. Now, next up in the bantamweight division, we got a match between Tony Gravely, who's nineteen and six, and Geraldo De Freitas is twelve and five. 
Currently, they got Tony Gravely minus 145 to come back on Geraldo De Freitas is plus 125. This is a really good fight, man. I, I see this. I think it should actually be aligned a little bit closer. Um, I faded uh, Gravely against Brett Johns and cashed there, but then I bet on Geraldo against Gutierrez and lost there. Both very, very close fights. Uh, I see there being a lot of back-and-forth takedowns. Um, both these guys give up bad positions. Tony Gravely, though, he's been submitted a million times. That's the thing you got to look out for. If he gets submitted one more time, I'm not going to exactly be surprised. But I think he can slightly edge this one out. I think he's the stronger guy. It's just you got to be careful. De 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 Freitas, I like the kid. He's exciting. He's well-rounded. He's got good wrestling. You know, for not having a wrestling background, he's got some decent takedowns as well. But he also gets taken down a lot. I see this being a really back-and-forth fight with Gravely slightly edging it out. Maybe he gets one more takedown per round. Just just don't get choked out for the millionth time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I like this fight, man, because, you know, DeFredo's, you know, we, we bet him uh, against Chris Dog fight. I mean, he got his leg broken in that fight in the first round, and he kept going. So, I mean, we know what type of warrior he is from Novo and Yao. Uh, but, man, for a Novo and Yao guy, he, he got some good cardio, man, you know? <laughs> You know, so I don't think that's a, that big of an issue for him. And then Gravely, you know, I think cardio is an issue for him. Now, I think, uh, well, because, you know, he's got the big muscle, you know, heavy kind of kind of reminds me of like a Miles Johns. Uh, you know, he actually reminds me of uh, is like a version of Mirsad Bektik. And, I, and, I'll, and I'll tell you why, man. I feel like Gravely, honestly, is a lot more talented than De Freitas, uh, a lot stronger, a lot more powerful. It's just like, man, in at least three or four of these fights I've seen, it's like, even the fights when he wins, it's like he'll be slamming the guy. I mean, he's a college D1 wrestler, big big time D1 wrestler, you know, slamming the guy, you know, getting takedowns, hurting him on the feet. But it just seems like at times he just gets a little bit carried away and does a little bit too much and, and exhausts himself out. And then he hits a wall and then he gets his back taken. And it's like, whoa, gravely, like, bro, we were just smashing him. Like, like, well, how, how does this guy have your back all of a sudden? And he does it a lot, man. So it's definitely a big worry. And I feel like now that he's at ATT, you know, I know he's training with guys like, uh, you know, uh, Marlon Marais, uh, Randy Costa, uh, uh, your boy Puerta's down there, uh, Durden's down there right now. So, you know, I know he's got a good group of dudes to work with. I know he left wherever he's from to go down there. So I am going to pick him for the win, uh, the win as well. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, him not hitting that wall and giving up his back and, and getting tapped out because he does it a lot, man. And, and he's winning in the majority of these fights too. Like, um, And the Freitas, man, I just think he's kind of – so I don't want to say basic, but just, you know, uh, it seemed like the, the issue I had in the Gutierrez fight was just, I mean, he didn't really make adjustments, you know. Uh, you know, once that calf got, got shut down, I mean, he was, he just kept charging forward instead of, you know. And, and Gutierrez actually, you know, kind of, you know, survived his, his jiu-jitsu and got on top of him, so, you know. And last but not least, in the heavyweight division, we got Dontael Mays, he's 7-4, and four, and Roki Martinez is 15-6. and six. Currently, they got Dontael Mays, minus 240, the comeback on Roki Martinez is plus 200. So, Shaq, I've already said this a million times, uh, there's only one fight Roki Martinez should be uh, having right now, and that's that fight against obesity. He should not be in a cage against a guy like Dontael Mays. Uh, but that being said... He's actually better than Dontel Mays. Like, I would not be surprised if, like, he got on top and, like, you know, got him in some kind of, you know, headlock or some shit like that. But, like, 
the guy can barely move around anyways. Like he's got to drop a hundred pounds before we talk about, you know, him fighting in the octagon. So I'm going to have to, I got to go with Dante Mays by default. I mean, he's, you know, a big athletic dude, six foot six, uh, but he also lost to Alan Crowder inside the distance. So, like, he's had some very embarrassing losses. It's like if Roki Martinez was in shape, I'd actually pick him here. But, you know, I, I bet he's been eating gas station cheese dogs on fight week. So I'll go with Dante Mays. Yeah, I haven't really uh, – this is the one fight I really haven't looked that much into. Just I really don't know, know that much about uh, Roke. Uh, is that how you say his name? Roke? Roki? Um yeah, some yeah. shit. I mean, <laughs> he looks like a bum. I mean, it's fight with Romano. That's a tough debut, so I really won't even, you know, shame him too much for that. But I know Dante Mays and uh, just pre-thoughts. I haven't watched tape on this one yet, but I don't think he should be minus 240 against anyone. I mean, not only the Alan Crowder fight, but what about his last fight? He got his last two two fights. He got absolutely. I know one of them was surreal gone, but you know, surreal gone is out here, you know, dropping down for leg locks and shit. You know what I'm saying? Like and getting them, but you know what I'm saying? Uh, and uh, his fight with. Uh, I know he's got a win over Usman's brother, but guys, trust me. If y'all watch the fight, Usman's brother and shit like fucking, you know, Usman's brother is super green. And then his fight with uh, who did he fight last? Uh, he got finished. Um, who did uh Dante Mays fight last? Um, uh, Nascimento. Yeah, Nasimento. Nasimento went out there and friggin' handled him with ease. And Nasim, you know, Nasimento did just get starched by my boy Chris. But you know, I mean, Nasimento went out there with ease and Hey, real quick, real quick. Sorry, sorry, sorry to interrupt. This this is interrupt worthy. Marab Dualish Wheelie versus Hayoni Barcelos, December fifth. I knew that fight was gonna happen, and uh, let's, let's go. He said he wanted the fight, so. <laughs> your wish is my command. Your wishes, and Hayoni accepted, so. <laughs> But uh, man, that's a great fight. But uh, yeah, man, I, I'll I'll take Roque Martinez, even though I really don't know shit about him. But I'll, I'll just pick him. I feel you. I mean, if Dante Almeida falls down, there's a chance he's not getting back up. He's gonna, have to, he's gonna have to call life alert. Like, yeah, help! I fall and I can't get, get that, up. You know, get, so. that, get that belly on him, Roque. Get that belly on him. Yeah. So normally we do the fight to watch and the fighter to watch, but I'm running out of studio time. So let's get go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, good show today. Uh, everybody follow Shaq at MMA Genius 05. Everybody follow me at Best Fight Picks. Make sure you subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places where we are available. And also Manscaped.com. Use that promo code Battle20, all cast Battle20 for 20% off and free shipping. Remember to send us that screenshot. We'll match it with the Best Fight Picks package. You can find our bets at BestFightPicks.com. Shout out to Emmanuel. El Matador Sanchez going out there cashing last night came through big and now it's on to this weekend and then the next only uh, I believe five UFC events left so let's finish out strong thank you very much to all our fans for all the support and until the next time let's cash these bets